Christian University of Newcastle Place Cathedral. And with that, um, I, I ride out for a few years. With that, that I'm sure that's one of the longest tenure in Newcastle in this area because rural ministry in Newcastle gets changed very quickly. And it's hard to preach with consistency, but he's been at it for a long time of consistency. And we all want to honor he and Sister Andrea as well for their involvement and all of the youth ministries that are in the foster care world. And I thought about this because, you know, they become both, uh, you know, this, you know, uh, spokesman uh, for the cause to, and, and, and what they do in our community are very, very proud. I thought about this and I thought to myself, you know, Sherry and I had looked many years ago at a time in our life when we just we just looked at it and her failing this conservative lady just said I can't just said I can't but Joe and Andy said I cannot not and thus their family grew and we're all proud that their family has grown and they've been a part of our church family but continue to be advocates for it and continue to encourage youth so today's going to be a great day for you uh, he's got a, a good word for us today he's got some cool students up here Am I dominating Caleb here? I probably don't. I don't think I'm that. That's okay. I don't mean to. So, um, but some pretty cool students up here that we're all very proud of. So I'm going to get out of the way. We're going to let Jojo share the word of God. He'll dismiss us as he feels led. We appreciate so much you being in service with us. God bless. Amen. Thanks, Pastor, for giving me this opportunity. And uh, um, I always like to say some stuff before I preach about the call and just what God's doing in the ministry. Um, um, we just got, last weekend, me and Miss Ann um, led a foster care retreat, and um, she does all the organizing and detail stuff, and then I preach on that Sunday. And it was just really encouraging. We've got a lot of new families um, that have signed up to be foster families. Um, I gave an update on our church, and this I'm just using this as an example um, if you go to Independence County, uh, they have three homes open in the whole county, entire county. We in this church, soon to be, will have five open. So I thank the Lord um, for that, and um, I prayed for a few years that God would use me to be a pastoral advocate um, and not just the county level, but on a state level. And, and I saw that window open up just a little bit last year when uh, I had an opportunity for about 15, 20 minutes with some other leaders to sit down with Asa Hutchinson and talk about just the foster care issue. And it, he looked at me and said, Preacher, what, what's the answer? And I said, Governor, you know what the answer is. The answer is the church. And um, I said, the church has the most resources. They have the biggest heart. And um, Lord knows we have enough of them in Arkansas. Um, and um, got a text message the other day. Uh, I actually got a letter from um, the auditor, uh, Miss Leah, the auditor of the state of Arkansas, and she wrote me and my wife a letter and sent some really nice things in there. And then um, I got a text message uh, just the other day um, that they're having a state summit in Little Rock, and uh, they're having a pastoral, um, what's the word, pastoral panel. And they invited me to come uh, be upon the panel and um, speak on behalf of our county and, and just uh, the state in general. And I told Melissa, that our, our coordinator, that um, they probably don't know what they just did. <laughs> I, probably, I probably won't be invited back, but that's okay. I will leave a mark. But uh, be, be praying for me. Uh, that's coming up in a couple weeks. And I'm just excited about what God's doing. Um, so get your Bibles out. You see the students here. You can go ahead and turn to the book of uh, Proverbs. I'm really proud of these students. Um, of course, we were gone last weekend leading the foster care retreat. But uh, you can go to Proverbs 13 and 12. And um, But I went back and I listened to Pastor's message and I thank the Lord and I honor our pastor for um, always giving, you know, the, the, the church talk or church words or uh, time and season, but it really is every time he takes the platform. Um, I've been around him long enough to know that he's not Googling anything or he's not looking up somebody else's message, but he's really hearing from the Lord. And I, I love the message last week. He talked about the baton and 
just the baton of Pentecostalism. And, and uh, we're in a season right now as uh, youth pastors and leaders. Um, I've had some great kids over the years. Um, some wonderful kids have come through this church. And because of you and because of the Holy Spirit, they've become successful uh, men and women in the ministry. I mean, there's, there's one of them. Oh, that's not Alyssa. Where'd she go? Oh, she's by my mama. One of them's right here. You're young, though, Julie, and you're being used by the Lord. But if you were in my youth group, that would have made me really, yeah. But uh, Alyssa's here, and, of course, the work that she's doing at the Dream Center. But several other ones that are married now and having babies, and it's just a beautiful thing as a leader to see that happen. And God's given me an opportunity to really be a voice in this county with other youth pastors and other youth leaders. And, um, you know, here recently, Pastor mentioned a couple weeks ago that I don't know, it, it wasn't a prophecy, but I, I believe now maybe it was that this group coming up was going to be a really special group, and, um, and they just, they are um, on a level that I just hadn't seen in a long time, um, and, and I want to encourage everybody uh, when you see these students, and this isn't all of them, of course, but God's been using this group, especially here lately, preaching and teaching. Some of these uh, students were leading your kids in Sunday school this morning, and um, they've preached on Wednesdays, they've preached to other churches, and uh, God's just using them in a great way. And, um, and, and I want to say this, that um, these kids not only love Jesus, but they love the fact that they're a part of a Pentecostal fellowship. Okay, that, that is so important. If you connect it to what Pastor talked about last week, um, they're not ashamed. They're not ashamed of the power of the Holy Spirit. They're not ashamed of the prophetic word. They're not ashamed of all those things. And I believe that this group is going to usher in a form of Pentecostalism that we've seen in years past, but it's just been packaged differently. And I want to say this. They're not going to look like everybody did at the Brownsville Revival. They're not going to look like uh, what it looked like at Topeka, Kansas, they're not going to look like what it looked like 100 years ago in Los Angeles. But I promise you it will be biblical. And I promise you they carry an anointing and they're not ashamed of it. So please, when you see these students, um, and just build them up and let them encourage you. Uh, stand to your feet this morning as we read this text. You have to forgive me my throat starting yesterday. Started being agitated and I'm doing the cough drop thing, and so if I pop a cough drop in the middle of the message, just go with it. Um, I follow my pastor, and he's done that a time or two, so um, I might do that. But, you know, we can over-spiritualize things sometimes, but I really believe, as you can tell just already in my talking, um, I have a word shut up in my bones. And I'm not, uh, the reason that tears are coming already is because I've, I'm anointed this morning. And uh, there's a big difference between being emotional and uh, being zealous. I am those things. But when you carry an anointing, Pastor talked about it a week or two, about the meaning of anointing, the smearing, and it's just overwhelming. It's, it's overwhelming to the point where you just don't know what to do but to shout and to lift up the name of Jesus. And to be honest with you, I can't hardly breathe right now, and that's not because I'm nervous. It's not because this is my first time doing this. I love public speaking. But I just feel God's presence in this place. And when you feel God's presence in this place, time doesn't matter. Your preconceived notions doesn't matter. What matters is what he wants us to do as a fellowship. What he wants you to do as an individual. So I believe, I really believe that the enemy's trying to come after me this weekend with just some different distractions and even this throat thing, as is, is, is maybe trivial as that sounds, I really believe that the enemy doesn't want this message to go forth. About a month ago, we was in Arizona, and it was on a Tuesday, and I went out early, and, and I needed a word for the church. We had preached that Sunday morning in one church, and then we was preaching the Wednesday night, and uh, the Lord just took me to this passage that we're going to look at, and this is my third message that I've preached on this text, but it's all been different messages. And when Pastor asked me to preach um, earlier this week, I immediately knew how this service was going to be. The Holy Spirit just unfolded it, and, uh, and, and 
So I say all that to say, don't be afraid of the anointing. Agitate the anointing. The power of God should be visually noticeable. Don't be afraid. I promise it's a beautiful thing. Proverbs, the 13th chapter, look at verse 12. Powerful verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, come on somebody. When the desire comes, it is the tree of life. Read that again. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is the tree of life. When there's no hope, you're sick. As an individual, as a family, sometimes even as a church. I mean, you know, there's a lot of hopeless churches in America right now that might be full of people, but there's no hope. But when there's no hope, the heart's sick. But when Jesus comes, come on, somebody, it is a tree of life. So I want to preach from this thought. The title of my message, then I have a little subtitle. But the title of my message is Talitha Kumai. Talitha Kumai. Now, before you judge me on how I pronounce that, it really depends on what side of the lake you live on. Okay? But the subtitle, Rise Up and Walk. Rise Up and Walk. Father, we love you. And I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that it doesn't matter how somebody sounds. It doesn't matter their tone, their look, what they're wearing. That, God, it doesn't matter, Father, what man tries to do, Lord, to stir up a crowd. God, the only thing that matters is your presence. The only thing that matters, God, it's not if somebody could woo somebody in a message or impress somebody with the fancy words, as Paul said. I'm not trying to do that. God, what matters is your presence. And we prayed for months and months. God, if you're looking for a place, if you're looking for a place to pour your spirit out upon, do it here. And God, I believe you're in the process of that. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would use us as a team. Use this group of world changers, Father, to tell a beautiful story this morning. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Turn to Mark, the fifth chapter. Mark, the fifth chapter. Now, stay with me. This is a little different. She's okay, okay? We might, we might need to tell security if they peek in, everybody's okay here. But stay with me because I really believe that God's going to speak to you as an individual because that's where it starts. We can preach all day long about the family unit. We can preach all day long about the healthy church. But it always starts with the individual. My Bible, ever since I've been saved, has always said, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling you can try to be the best dad or the best mom in the world you can try to be the best leader in the church the best pastor the best youth pastor the best children's pastor all those things the best worship leader but until you focus on yourself first that's your first responsibility before you can be poured out upon anybody else so mark the fifth chapter let's pick it up at verse 21 Now, the reason I wanted you to read the whole chapter of, of, of Mark, chapter 5, is there's a lot going on in this time. Jesus is very busy right now. As Jason already referenced, he's casting out demons. Demons are being thrown into the pigs. Pigs are jumping off the cliff. There's the storm in the midst of the sea, and Jesus is calming the storm. There's parables being read. There's a lot of things going on. So as he did many, many times, sometimes he would change his location. Sometimes he would stop and rest and, and just take a break. How many of you know that's a good thing? Even in the spiritual realm, it's okay to just stop. 
and just to stand. Amen? Verse 22. Now, this is Jesus. This is not Jairus. But the Bible says that one of the rulers of the synagogue, okay, more than likely a wealthy person, came and the Bible says that Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. I love that. I've preached the message um, of shaking heaven or interrupting heaven before, and I've used this text to where Jairus interrupts heaven, not because of who he was in the church, but because that he was willing to obey himself and humble himself and fall at the feet of Jesus. So Jairus, he, he interrupts heaven. How many of you know you can interrupt heaven when you pray? You can interrupt heaven when you lift up the name of Jesus. You can interrupt heaven when you obey. Obedience is greater than sacrifice, right? God is calling individuals. God is calling the church to obey and humble themselves before an almighty God. I love Jason's exhortation. It was spot on. And I love Shane's exhortation. It was spot on. God is looking for a church that will truly humble themselves. You know, we live in a culture and a society where there, our first thoughts is, what's everybody else going to think? I deal with that all the time. And I, I say this all the time when I preach because I want you to understand the amount of people that come to me and they, they are desiring and they're wanting and they're wanting a closer relationship with Jesus. Just last week, after I got done preaching, a, a friend of mine that goes to another church, man, he just looked at me in the eye and he said, man, i I got to change something. I don't know what it is. I said, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the obedience. It's the obedience. So Jay Iris is being obedient, and he's humbled himself. And, and verse 23, Brooklyn. on it not only was he humble but he was in a place where god forbid any parent come on when your child's sick there ain't nothing you won't do and if you're here this morning you've lost a child i pray for the peace of god upon your mind your heart but man when our children are sick but not only sick when they're dying that's a total another level where you can't just walk up and give somebody a how to grieve book that's a moment where you really need the Holy Spirit to intervene in a way that a pastor or a preacher or a counselor cannot because the Holy Spirit is the ultimate counselor. His daughter is lying dead. She's lying dead at the house. There's no breath. There's no hope. It's just death with no breath. But Jairus, his faith, he says, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and that she will live. Amen? Verse 24. Now, we don't have Jairus, but we have Jesus. And the Bible says, come here, ladies, you three right there. Come here, John. <clears throat> come here, Jill and Jeremy. Come here, Gracie. Come here, Hope. I want you guys to just circle around Jesus. Now, the Bible's very clear, because when Jesus would do these things, it was almost like rock star status for a lot of people. They wanted to be close to him, and when the Bible says they thronged him, that means it just wasn't a handful of people. I mean, it was like a rock star just showed up in a mall, per se. And they thronged him. They were around him. They wanted to get as close to him as possible, the Bible says. Remember, Jay Ivers just asked him, man, come to my house. He couldn't do anything simple. He couldn't do anything. He was always being mobbed. Verse 25. For 12 years, as he's being thronged, as he's being mobbed, as he's about to go to J. Iris' house, a woman that we're very familiar with. We hear preachers preach on her all the time. But the woman with the issue of blood, and she had it for 12 years. The 12 years is very significant. I don't have time to preach about the 12 today, but if you will take time and study it out, 12 is very significant in the Bible. It has a lot to do with faith. But it said she had an issue of blood for 12 years. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years. It wasn't just a moment. It wasn't just a sharp pain every once in a while. It was constant pain for 12 years. I love how the Bible uses the word blood. 
Because blood is important or should be important to every Christian in this building. Amen? Jesus is being thronged. Now there's a woman with the issue of blood. Verse 26. No better. She did everything that we would do. She went to the doctors. She went to the nurses. She went to the counselors. She got all the books. She read all the books. She did everything that we would do in the natural realm. But how many of you know sometimes there's some things that you can't work out in the natural realm. you got to work them out in the spiritual realm. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, says your reality is not in the natural. It is in the spiritual realm. The woman represents some of you in the house this morning. She also represents the church as a whole in America. The church as a whole in America is hemorrhaging. Going back to what our pastor taught on last week, even the Pentecostal churches are hemorrhaging. There's no more time to spend in prayer. There's no more time to call upon the name of the Lord. There's no more time to believe in healings. It's hemorrhaging. Some of you are here this morning in your faith, you're hemorrhaging. You're bleeding out. You've tried everything. You've talked to 17,000 spiritual leaders. You've read the books. You've done all those things. And she had two, except one. Except one. Come on, it's a great conclusion to a lot of people's good messages, but we're going to use it in the kind of the beginning. But she grew worse. The natural world wasn't helping. Some of the things that you're doing might be good, but it's not helping because you haven't tapped into the spiritual world. When you tap into the spiritual world, it's a game changer. Everything changes. All these people that were thronging Jesus, the Bible weren't detailed about who was thronging him. But I got to guess that all the people that were thronging him just wanted to be around him. They didn't want to take another step and touch him. Like what's about to happen, verse 27. For those of you that can't see it, the woman's reaching out and she's touching the hem of the garment. He was being thronged. He was being mobbed. But she reached out. Now the important thing, and I love this pastor, Leviticus chapter 15 says that she's unclean. According to the law, if you've got a blood issue, you are unclean. You're not even to be out in public. You're definitely not, should be touching people. And I just think it's probably my just messed up personality, but I just got to look at it as humor. She was probably touching all these people. They had no idea that there was an unclean woman in their midst. All these people were getting touched, and they weren't weren't being holy then because they didn't think anything of it. Everything was external when it came to legalism. Everything was about the outside. What did the Bible say in Samuel? What, What did God say? God says, I care about the inside, not the outside. I care about the heart. That's why King David was chosen, and those stud brothers of his wasn't. All these people were thinking outside. The woman with the issue of blood, she knew she had to tap into something different. And the Bible says she reached out and she touched his garment. She touched him. Verse 28. She professed it. She stated it. If I could just touch him, I'll be healed. The power of speaking something. The power of your voice. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Pastor talks about all the time what you speak, be careful what you speak. But us as spiritual people, us as Christians, more importantly, us as spirit filled believers, we need to begin to speak what we know Jesus can do. Let me tap into what Pastor is talking about with Mo, with Moriah. I call her Mo. We are on a text message. How many of you get text messages from super spiritual people and they're way too long? Everybody knows who we're talking about. (laughs) You know, I get those sometimes. But you know, Pastor, I'm thankful for every text message we get from Rachel because here's a mama that's been dealing with her baby that's had cancer for years. For years she's had cancer. And Rachel's always spoke things before they even happen. She uses scripture. She reaches out and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. She's not just good with being around. She's, she's around Jesus, right? I mean, even know you can be around Jesus. But it's a whole nother level when you reach out, when you come to that place, when you say, the natural's not getting it done. I've got to tap into the spiritual. That's why a lot of times us leaders, 
We do want to pray for you, and we believe in laying on of hands. We believe those things, but sometimes we say, why don't you just come down and pray for yourself? Amen? We want you to reach out and touch him. Verse 29. Come on, somebody. I like that word, I, immediately. Not later, not immediately. Every time we pray for somebody to be healed, we need to have that immediate kind of thinking. Immediately. Now, Mo wasn't healed immediately, but the preacher stood in front of you and said, 99% of the cancer is gone. I think a lot of times we get too crowded and talk about what God can't do or what God's not doing instead of rejoicing in what he really is doing. God is healing a lot of folks. How many of you know the ultimate healing is when a lost person accepts Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, and if they had died that day, they went to hell, but they got saved today, so now they're going to go to heaven. How many of you know that's a miracle? You guys can sit down. Thank you. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt it in her body. Verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? Mm. He was thronged. People are all around him. His disciples are about to tell you that kind of joking. Like, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's so many people that are touching you. And he turns around and says, Wait a second! I know who I am and I know the power that dwells within me. Something came out of me just then when somebody touched me. He felt it. You heard me talking about just minutes ago when the anointing, when the power of God gets on, you should feel it. You say, Jojo, what does it look like? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? It's not about what it looks like. There's that external thinking again. It's what God is doing internally that's what matters. And internally he was healing, with the, he was healing the woman with the issue of blood. But Jesus turned around and he said, who touched my clothes? He knew. He just wanted to ask the question. So that 2,000 years later, we can preach and we can talk about the personal Jesus that we know. He could have just went on and in his spirit he knew that the woman touched him. He knew the woman's healed, but no, he's a personal God. He turns around, not caring about those people that were thronging and caring for him, but somebody touched him. Somebody was, somebody was tired of just going to church and being around him. They were tired of just being in the life group. They wanted to be in the presence of Almighty God. They wanted to feel the power of God upon their life. So he turns around, verse 31. Then his disciples said to him, If you touched him, tell me now, and he said, Who touched you? There's the disciples again. I love the disciples. They teach us a lot. They were good, godly men. But they're just like me and you, amen? Always looking in the natural. Jesus, you were surrounded by so many people. They were touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? They were not looking at it in the spiritual realm. They were looking at it in the natural realm. Verse 32. And he looked around to see how he had done this thing. 33. But the woman sitting in front of him, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She's scared now. She's an unclean person. He's a priest. She has just broken the law. If you go back and read Leviticus chapter 15, the Bible says for her to be clean, she's got to do a lot of things. And then after she does those things, she's got to wait a period of seven to eight days before she is considered clean, before she's considered to be able to go to somebody's house and eat or be out, and God forbid, be out around Jesus in the marketplace. But she chose by faith to do it anyway. You would think in 2019, the church world would be beyond the legalism side of things. But the more and more I sit down and I counsel with people, the more and more I hear people tell me that they're not worthy, the more I hear people talk about what they've done, the first thing they'll bring up is what they've done. Their past, what they've done. Jesus wasn't concerned with the 12 years that she had dealt with the issue of blood. His concern was right now, right this second. Because there was a woman that was willing to go above and beyond what everybody else was doing to touch him. To go a little bit further. Verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your faith. Oh, man. Look at the detail of this verse. There's not too many times that Jesus uses the word daughter in Scripture. 
Verse 34, but this is one of them. He makes it personal. He says, and he said to her, daughter, right there. He doesn't say unclean sinner. He doesn't say woman who's just jacked up. Woman who's done so many things wrong, you can't be used by the Lord. He says, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith. Believing in what you can't see has made you well. Come on, somebody. Listen, I'm no different than anybody else. Sometimes I have that battle when I'm praying for somebody that's sick. It's that tug, that give and take of, is this person really going to be healed? But you just got to have faith. The preachers say it like that all the time. There's songs sung about it. Is it that easy? Yeah, you just got to have faith. That's why I believe 12-year-old girls can lay hands on 40-year-old women that have cancer and they can be healed. That's why I believe in girls who, when they were little, didn't have a lot to hope for. But now she can stand in front of 200 people by the anointing and the power of God and preach a word from the Lord. And girls her age understand. And girls her age ask a bunch of questions. Amen? Come on, it ain't got nothing to do with your negative situation right now. It's got everything to do with an all-powerful God that wants to heal you and deliver you. Not because you're good, but because he's good and he wants to use you. The Bible says he likes to use the foolish things of the world to despise the wise. I am the biggest fool in this house. You want to give me your testimony? I'll give you my testimony right back. Mine might, might not be worse, but it probably is. I was unclean. Unclean. I was a hellion. Did things to this day, if I think about it, it breaks my heart. But one day, one day, just because I was willing, I didn't, I was going to all these different churches and I was, I was around Jesus, right? I was around Jesus. I get saved in every church. I got, I got saved in New Life. The, the real New Life in Conway. I, when they were meeting, I got saved in New Life. I tried to get saved in a Mormon church, but I didn't know it was a Mormon church. <laughs> True story. That's a funny story. But it didn't involve Miss Ann, so I'm not going to tell that story. But I was around Jesus, but I wasn't reaching out. But I began to feel something. I, something was different, 24, 25 years old, and I looked out a glass window, and Jesus said, you need to go home. You need to go home. And the rest is history. Come on, it don't matter what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did two years ago. Listen, some of you grown adults still cling to the things you used to do. There's a key word that says you used to do it, meaning you don't do it anymore. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed. Be different. But he said, daughter, you made it personal. Your faith made you well. Go in peace and be healed. I wonder what that must have been like for that woman. She didn't have to concern herself with the legalism of the law anymore. Because the one that is over everything, the one that is the law, the new covenant, said, daughter, you're well. Go in peace. He basically said, all the things and all the stuff that people tell you, forget it. I've washed it all. Now go. Verse 35. No matter what kind of spiritual high you get on, the devil will always try to come in and distract you from what just happened. How many times have you been in the presence of the Lord and God is just moving and then all of a sudden you go home you go to a great service, the power of God's everywhere, and you go home, and you get a phone call. Everything's great! And all of a sudden, you get a phone call that says, we got the test results back, and your daughter's sick. Come on, somebody. We've all been there in one way or the other. Here we go. Still speaking. He was still speaking about the woman with the issue of blood, and then here comes some people from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? 
he did. A lot of you have had people in your life, whether they mean well or not, that have told you that your potential and your dreams are dead because of what you've done, knowing dang well, deep down in their heart, it's not true. It's not true. Verse 36. But Jesus always has a rebuttal. Jesus always comes back. When the Lord called me to come to Heber Springs, people showed up immediately and said, what are you doing? You're leaving a good life. You're leaving good money. You're leaving a good house. And you're leaving us, so-called friends. I called my mama, and my mama said, that's all right. You leave them because they'll be calling you in a couple years wanting to know about this Jesus and it happened. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Listen to me, gentlemen, that uh, Jace prophesied about that's in this house today. I don't care what kind of hurt it was. I don't care where it was at. You don't have to tell me all of that. I just need to tell you to believe. To believe. Jesus never, Jesus did not die on the cross for you to linger on the things that you've done or for you to linger on the things that have been done to you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins to rescue you, to give you a new life so now you can be a conduit for him. There's nothing special about us. We're just believers that by faith believe. Are there days where I say, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? He helps it. Jesus knew what was going on. Verse 37. So now the story shifts, in my opinion, to the one that not a lot of people talk about. We all talk about the woman with the issue of blood because it's a powerful moment. Powerful moment. But what about the dead girl? She's only 12. There's that number again. She's only 12. She hadn't lived her life. She hasn't gotten married. She hasn't graduated high school. She, she hasn't experienced life. She's dead. She represents your potential. She represents your spiritual potential. Once again, let me go back to it because it's the main topic. The main topic is you're not good enough. The main topic is, you're too sick. You're too old. I came from, you don't understand the family that I came from. None of that matters. What matters is Jesus died for you. Amen. He wants to use you for his glory. That's all that matters. Listen, I love telling a story just like anybody else, but I, I just sometimes feel like that we've, we've just gotten so caught up in telling our story that that sometimes overrides the fact that Jesus has given us a new story. Because we all have a testimony, right? The girl's dead. Verse 38. Jesus comes to the house. Everybody's freaking out. They're crying. They're wailing. A lot of distractions. A lot of things are happening in that house. Some of you have tried to take a step of faith. Some of you have tried to step into that realm with the whole potential, but it always goes back to there's too much going on. There's too many distractions. I got too much going on in my life. I just met a lady. She goes to this church sometimes. I seen her at Walmart the other day, and she said, we just don't have time right now. So what does Jesus do to distractions? Verse 39. Oh, man. Come on, somebody. Why are you crying? Why are you weeping? Why is your mind in the negative world? Why is your mind in the natural world and not the spiritual world? Come on, Jesus was in the house. How many of you have gone to church and you've been in the Lord's house, but it just felt like you were dead? 
Did you know Jesus could be in the house and you still have death written all over you? He was in the house, but the girl was still dead, WC. She wasn't alive. She was still dead. Jesus can be in the house and you're still dead. There's still no life. Come on, I really believe that the church as a whole, not this church, as Pastor Andre would say, but all the other churches, They're hemorrhaging, but they're also dead. See, she still had breath and life. There was still a little bit of hope, but she was dead. So now it just takes these two stories to a whole nother level. The death of Jairus' daughter should be elevated a little bit. Because she still had breath. There's a lot of churches that still have breath. There's still a lot of Pentecostal fellowships that have breath. But there sure is a lot of Pentecostal fellowships that are dead. See, you can pass a baton from that generation to this generation. You can't pass a baton when they're dead. She was dead, but Jesus was still in the house, Lily. Verse 40. Go back to verse 39. What you call one thing, Jesus calls it the complete opposite. Well, I, I, I can't. I, I can't work the door. You don't know what I did last month. I, I can't drive a bus. You don't know my history. I can't preach. You don't know who I... I, I uh, uh. Jesus said she ain't sleeping. She's not dead. I don't know what y'all making a fuss about. She's just sleeping. Jesus basically said she just needs to be agitated a little bit. As a culture, nobody wants to challenge anybody anymore because we're seeker friendly. Somebody might get their feelings hurt. We need some Christians to get their feelings hurt because there's way too much pain, there's way too much hurt in the culture. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There's hope. We just need to be challenged. That's why I love challenging some of you to do things that you're really uncomfortable with. Because this is what happens. When I challenge you to do something that you're uncomfortable with, guess what? You excel. Not because there's anything good in you, but because of what dwells in you. Jesus, I'm so stuck on this, Pastor. Jesus told his disciples, the same spirit that lives in me will live in you. And you will do greater things than me. So when I lay hands on a sick person, I believe they're going to be healed in the name of Jesus. When I pray for a little boy's legs to grow, I believe they're going to grow in the name of Jesus. We're so caught up in a media-saturated world. We watch these videos and we watch everybody's critique, everybody's responses on Facebook, everybody's reviews about a false preacher and a false evangelist and say, this healing stuff is not real. It's real. If you believe. It ain't got nothing to do with what the preacher did in the 1970s. It ain't got nothing to do with what denomination did this. It's got everything to do with Jesus lives, with, lives inside of you and wants to use you as a conduit. So he said, she's just sleeping. Verse 40. Yes. Go back to verse 40. Don't raise her up yet, Jesus. Listen. Listen, I had a choice to make when Jesus was wrecking my world. He said, there's some things you got to get out. If it's a distraction, you got to get it out. Jesus just said, I'm going to take the ones that believe with you. Come on, somebody. I don't need 400 people. I don't need 800 people in a congregation. I just need a couple. I just need a couple that will believe. That's why you call me to my house today for me to pray for you. I might bring three or four of these teenagers with me. I might bring Cossie Carr and these teenagers. Because they believe. 
There's going to be no distraction. There's going to be no, none of this, well, I, you don't know. God doesn't work like he did at Brownsville. God doesn't work like he did 50 years ago. God doesn't do this anymore. I, 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 had, I had a Methodist lady the other day say, she, she wanted me to know because she heard I was a similar God. She said, you know that you guys were born out of us. Ooh, I was tempted. I just said, yes, ma'am, that was a long time ago. Things have changed. We don't believe anymore. Nobody gets healed anymore, right? Right? A 20-year-old girl in Chicago, Illinois, 99% cancer-free. Why? Because people believed and didn't see a girl with cancer, but saw a girl that was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what you don't know, some of you, is that girl that's dead, the girl that's playing the dead girl, has diabetes. The girl playing the issue of blood has diabetes. I've prayed for both of those girls for a long time to be healed. Do I focus on the fact that they're not healed yet? No. But by faith, every time I pray for them, I believe I pray for them, I pray for Cynthia, I pray for Stan Schott, and I pray for anybody here that has diabetes. But the culture has dictated, and unfortunately sometimes the culture of the church has dictated this whole thing of we got to see it to believe it. I believe in the process of healing. I believe when Jesus sees me praying and hears me calling upon his name, it has already begun. Already begun. Verse 41, got all the distractions out. Then he comes in, takes her hand, and he says to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Arise. And that little baby, that 12-year-old little girl, got up. She got up. The dead was raised to life. There was life again. There was life again. I can't imagine what she felt, but I sure can't imagine what that little girl felt. Because Jesus was in the house, but Jesus was willing to go a step further. And Jesus is willing to go a step further with you. Verse 42. They were overcome with amazement. They were in awe that a dead girl could be raised. They were in awe. They were overwhelmed. Once again, that goes back to they were able to see it. How many of you know we need that kind of amazement even when we're just in the presence of God? Why does somebody, why do we have to see somebody rise up and walk out of here for us to shout? Because he rose up and walked out of a grave 2,000 years ago. That's why we shout. Because we believe that what he did 2,000 years ago, he's doing it today. And some of, your, some of your spiritual potential, some of your spiritual potential, some of y'all still have breath, but you're hemorrhaging. You're hemorrhaging. You're losing time. You're losing it. What, are, what did I put in my Bible? Listen to this. This is powerful. J. Iris' daughter. Listen to what she represents. J. Iris had only one daughter. She was an only child. The one daughter, it represents one life, one future, one chance. One chance. Everybody in here has got one chance at this Jesus thing. Whether you're 90 or whether you're 12, they got one chance to go after God. One life. One potential to go after Jesus Christ. Why are we not going after him? We're not going to, we're not going to, reincarnate and be Billy Graham. God's not going to bring you back to be a special. He's using you now and wants to use you right this second. One shot at this thing. Finish it out. Yes. I love my Jesus. He's going to raise you from the dead and then take you to the steakhouse. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I felt that. Shabba. 
He wants to bless you above and beyond anything you could ever fathom with your natural brain. I look at my life now, and I reflect, and I just begin to weep. Because of every puzzle piece that he's put together, the way he's used our family. All because, not because there was anything good in me. I was hemorrhaging. And there was times I was dead. All because, by faith, just believe. God's speaking to some of you to just believe. Just believe. Just believe. I say this all the time and I'm done. Either I've said it enough to talk myself into it, Issy, or I've said it enough because I believe it. And I think it's the latter. Not sure yet, but we'll see. You got to be careful when you start saying your church is going to do this and your church is going to do that. Listen, I'm an advocate for both ends. One Tree Ministries is made up of seven different churches of youth pastors that try to reach this generation, our community. I created that seven years ago with the mindset that I wanted to get as many churches as possible involved. And God's used it in a powerful and great way. But I have way too many people. And a lot of times it's people in the church world that come up to me privately. And they're broken and they're hurt. For one, they want to know about this Pentecostal stuff, this spirit-filled stuff. And for two, they just want to believe. They know Jesus is in the house. But their potential, their mindset is just dead. Or they're hemorrhaging. But I believe if you call this house your church, I believe God is in the process of preparing us, this fellowship, for a great harvest. I'm not going to say it's an end time harvest and make it all, but a great harvest in the hill country, like we like to say, of north central Arkansas. I wake up with that on my just heart, and it's so heavy. And God is in the process. If you've noticed uh, our lay ministry, the people have just stepped up. And I just believe that's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Notice the leaders that God has strategically put over the years in our church. Some of them have gone on to be pastors and teachers at other churches, but some of them have stayed. I might be gone tomorrow. I don't know. Pastor might be gone tomorrow. I don't know. But I'm just silly enough to believe that God wants to use Heba first to help a hemorrhaging culture and more importantly, help a dead sect. And it starts with you to just believe. Quit getting everybody else's opinion. Quit getting online. Want to know the next greatest person's opinion on the culture. And get online in your closet. My Bible says that what you pray in secret, he will reward you openly. I take that literally. If there's one thing maybe I've done right in my time as a Christian, that ever since I was a kid, Pastor, I've just taken things literally like they say it. I've never been in a big argument with anybody over whether some. I just believe what he says, he says. And I believe, Brent, that the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus lives in me, not because I'm good, but because he chose it to play out like that, and that he wants me to do greater things. I've told you for a long time. I have a lot of spiritual daughters. And I tell them all the time, I don't know what you're waiting on. I'm not going to hold your hand. God wants you to let go and go be used for his glory and his honor. Stand to your feet this morning.
Worship team, I think I want you to come back up. And I'm going to ask my students to come down to the altar. He looked at that little girl. He didn't say, J. Iris' daughter, get up. He didn't say, just like with the woman with the issue of blood. Talithi Kumai, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. I don't know. I do know, but maybe it's just because what I surround myself with in ministry it just seems like every single person I come in contact with is not good enough. Can you do what we're just talking about? The cross has the final word. If you live in that realm, it will never be good enough. Ever. There has to come to a place where you have, Dr. Brassfield preached on it, Pastor, months ago. You have to humble yourself. It has nothing to do with your personality, where you're from, none of that. It has everything to do with the soul purpose you were created was to worship God. God forbid if our culture gets any more self-absorbed than what it is right now. God forbid. I used to be self-absorbed. I used to be that guy. But I was broken. And I realize it ain't got nothing to do with me. But it has everything to do with an almighty God that wants to use you to reach other people. It just makes sense when you really think about it. How many more messages, how many more things, how many more resources do you need to consume you with before you realize that Lord is just looking for somebody to be used? To just humble themselves. And say, God, use me. Use me. This is what I want us to do. If you're here this morning and you need healing. Now see, in this moment, some of you have already letting your mind go to that natural place. Nobody's going to get healed this morning. You've got to stop that. And rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. As my pastor says, you got to pluck it out. Because I believe that you can be healed right now. And I'm going to have these students lay hands on you and pray for you. I'm going to have two, three ladies that have the anointing and power of God upon their life. That have diabetes. Lay hands on you and pray. I believe you can be healed and they can be healed in the same moment. But once again, some of y'all are letting your mind go to that place. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. There has to be a mind shift. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel said, I purpose in my heart. King Nebuchadnezzar was coming in. He was trying to have a mind shift. Brainwash everybody. We live in a brainwashed culture. Just listen to people talk, if they talk. God wants to use you as a conduit of the Holy Spirit. But if you're here and you are physically sick, it could be anything. I don't feel the Holy Spirit telling me to call out anything specific, but if you are here and you're physically sick, I want you to come stand in front of these young people. You got migraines, you got back pains, you got a doctor's appointment coming up that you're a little bit nervous about. I want you to come stand in front of these students. 
Jace, Katie, if you're part of our team, come down and help these students. Come on, people are still coming. I want each person to have somebody lay their hands on them and pray and believe in the name of Jesus. They're going to sing a song called The Cross Has the Final Word. No matter what your situation, no matter if you've been hemorrhaging for 12 years or you're dead, the cross is the final word, period. So if you're here, if you're down here for healing, you don't have anybody with you, I just want you to raise your hand and somebody will come to you. And when they come to you, you can put your hand down in Jesus' name. Come on, Hope. Come and lay hands on some of these ladies in Jesus' name. Right here, Hope. Come on, let's pray. Those of you out there, extend your hands. If you believe by faith, they can be healed. Don't lift your hand if you don't believe. Don't lift your hand if you don't believe. Come on, this is a house of belief this morning. Let's pray.